0: There we go. There we go. Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we're going to talk about the Democratic Convention. I'm going to discuss a film by Kelly Reichert called First Cow. Mike is going to discuss the Harry Potter movie, the first one. (laughs) And we're going to discuss what Harry Potter has meant to us over the years.
1: Over many, many years.
0: And probably something else on the way. Did I mention suffrage? I don't think I mentioned suffrage. This is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. Women gaining the right to vote, the 19th Amendment. So I want to just touch briefly on that. Cool. So there you go. So the convention. Oh, The yeah. strange convention that we're going to have.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to tune in. Do you?
0: I'm going to. I want to see all those people speak.
1: Will they be in Milwaukee's Just speaking no. to an empty auditorium?
0: No, I think they'll be doing it the way that the Sondheim thing was done
1: oh Just, okay well i, I th- wish they would sing some of those songs <laughs> then i would definitely tune in
0: yes i wish hillary clinton would <laughs> sing i'm not getting married
1: That I would see hillary singing it's the little things you do together
0: <laughs> that would she's be little, rich as she's they say. got a
1: little bit of elaine stritch down in her somewhere
0: yeah well i think it's coming out more and more she has literally no more fucks to give it's true So she's talking, I think Bill is talking, Obama's speaking, Michelle Obama's speaking, and Bernie Sanders, and Kamala. Oh, yeah. Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. I'm never going to say it right. and La. Kamala, (laughs) Kamala. And Joe Biden accepting the nomination. But I do want to see what they have to say.
1: That Um, will be spread out over four days?
0: I guess so. I guess he's accepting on Thursday. Mm Mm-hmm and I don't know what else they're going to do. I'm, I've gotta tune in just to see what the hell's going on. Right. My question is, what is the RNC doing for their convention? Are they doing the same thing, do you know?
1: I think they're doing something similar.
0: You know, Trump's brother died. Yes. And I had this thought that it was the coronavirus.
1: Of course it was coronavirus, I'm, I'm sure it was.
0: Really, is that why they haven't
1: let- They won't disclose, I'm sure it was coronavirus. I have no no factual evidence or basis for that. It's just a a certainty from my gut.
0: Do you think that they could keep it quiet for this long, though? It's been a day.
1: I think so. People involved medically, there's HIPAA rules that people are really very respectful of in the medical field. That's very true. I think it's possible they could keep it secret.
0: Wow. They couldn't keep it secret for very long, though.
1: I wouldn't think too long.
0: Some nurse or some aide would leak it. Mary. Mary. I don't think they're talking to Mary. I don't think anybody's talking to Mary. I'm (laughs) reading her book. I paid $16 on Amazon to get her book. Yes, indeed. And it's well-written. Right. It's not quite the tone that I thought it would be, Mm -hmm. but I think she's fair. I haven't gotten more than 40 pages into it. I just started it last night, but I think she's Fair to Trump in that she relates his lack of ability to empathize and his, his deep seated neuroses to his mother's illness when he was, I think it was, he was a year and a half or two and a half years old. His mother became very ill. His sister who was 12, took care of her four younger siblings, and the father, who was completely cold and as unempathetic as Mm -hmm. Trump is, Mm -hmm. really wanted nothing to do with the children. He never did want anything to do with the children. He wasn't really interested in them, except for the Mm -hmm. oldest. Freddie, who was his namesake, who was supposed to take over the business. And he died very young from alcoholism. He died at the age of 41 or 42. I haven't gotten into more than the early family days, but she gives meaning to what his early life was like Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: the deficits that he suffered. Mm-hmm. And the creation of the person that he is, largely by someone who is very much like he is his father.
1: Yeah, they say in a dysfunctional family, the kids internalize the hangups and personalities and attitudes of their parents. So if his dad was a sociopathic person lacking empathy, then Trump maybe took that on.
0: She's a psychologist, so she goes into what it is the children need, and they need mirroring Right. an acknowledgement of their emotions. They need to know that they are, as I always say, being seen and being heard. Right. And that their emotions are being acknowledged and valued.
1: Right. So that you know you exist.
0: Yes. And he didn't have that. And so what he apparently did was convince himself that he didn't need anybody. And yet he convinced himself that he didn't need anybody, but he's such a needy person. Right. He needs... Reassurance. He needs accolades. There was just a piece in the covers of the New York Times magazine about his relationship with. Hang on one second. I'm going to go and get
1: it. What Ruth doesn't know is that <laughs> we have hidden 13 people in her bathroom, and they're about have oh, <laughs> to come out and wish her a happy birthday. But <laughs> you already wished
0: me a happy birthday. It's called Unwanted Truth, and it's about his relationship with the intelligence community. Basically, it was an overview of his complete disrespect of any intelligence whatsoever. He would not listen to anything about Russia because, as we know, it made him feel that his election was illegitimate. So the intelligence community just stopped talking to him about Russia until it got too loud and they felt that they had to. But that was right before he talked in Helsinki about Putin saying that Russia didn't do it and he had no reason to believe they did. They had confronted him and said, we believe that Russia is trying to interfere with the elections. Again, I think that was the 2018 election. Anything that they brought to him, he didn't read a thing, he didn't look at a thing. They described one time when someone brought in a model of a plane that they were asking for funding for. They gave it to him. The person who brought it in was trying to explain exactly what the plane did and why it was so necessary that they fund the creation of it and Trump kept looking at the model of the plane and saying, what does this do? What does this do? What's this? Uh The way they described him was as if there was an actual toddler in the Situation Room. You know, it just brought back, again, how frightening it is that someone as unqualified as him is in charge of the nuclear codes and the rest of the Yeah, and the post office. And the post office. (laughs) Let's take a moment to talk about the post office. The front page of the New York Times today had a big above-the-fold article. (laughs) You're nodding. Did you read it by any chance?
1: No, I read that there were dozens of papers that had headlines about the post office.
0: Yes, and the voters are getting upset. Nancy Pelosi and the Congress has been called back in this, or she called Congress back into session. Right. To be able to investigate what's going on at the post office. Right. It's another one of those things where you think, how did he believe he could get away with it all? Just yeah. how did he?
1: I think he's got Putin coaching him every step of the way. And Putin's a mastermind at, at manipulation of um, public, mass public opinion.
0: That's true. But Putin doesn't really have to be covert about it. Maybe he does. Maybe he has to be sneakier than I think he does.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if people knew, I think they would be upset, but they don't know. I know (laughs) because I'm (laughs) so perceptive. (laughs) Um, That's why I know how Trump's brother died as well. Yeah, I I think he's got coaches. Maybe it's not Vlad himself, but he's got coaches that are taking him through this step-by-step. Step. Everything he's done has led up to this. You know that book by Michael Lewis, The Fifth Risk?
0: Yeah. The whole point of that
1: book was about how government agencies across the board, from environmental to military to right. food safety, to all kinds of things, climate, everything's being dumped, dumbed down. All the career professionals that were career experts in all of those different fields are being yanked out. And people like this DeJoy guy, are being put in charge of things.
0: So there's no expertise.
1: That's why our response to COVID hasn't happened, because a lot of our health experts from CDC and, and elsewhere have been removed, you know. Oh, I don't so, think they've
0: been removed. I think that what happened is, because he doesn't believe in science, he's decided that he, I mean, he decided early on he wasn't going to listen to Robert Redfield of the CDC. Well, like, yeah,
1: he probably got rid of who he could, and then the rest he just made them irrelevant, and then and he hired, the, have you heard about this private company that's doing the tracking yes. of COVID now?
0: Yes, and I read, just tell me more about it though.
1: Well, I don't know a lot, but I know that they apparently are under reporting cases and not reporting up-to-date counts. And when they're being asked about it by Congress people, they said, we can't tell you because we signed a non-disclosure agreement. That's right, that's the, what I read. With the White House. A I non-disclosure mean, agreement. That's crazy. But it has been it's not like brand new, this isn't new. This started right when Trump came in Bernie Sanders today said Trump is, he's dishonest, but he's not stupid. But I still don't think he's smart enough to go about systematically dismantling all of these government agencies that the people rely on. That's where I think a mastermind has to be coaching him in some way.
0: Interesting. I would never have thought that Putin would get into the institutions Yeah, it's very scary stuff. And I think the only reason that I'm less paralyzed than I am is because we have an election coming up. If this was 2018, I think I'd be hysterical.
1: No, it's true. There's like 80 days left till the election. And yeah, I'm hopeful and can't wait and also prepared for either chaos or a manufactured pseudo win by Trump.
0: Yeah, I think whatever it looks like, we can't imagine what it's going to look like. That's how out in left field it's going to be.
1: Some articles I was reading today they say that his attack on the post office is backfiring on him already and that he's getting blowback from his own allies on it. So it's possible.
0: He said the quiet part out loud. All I right. mean, anybody in their right mind would know that because he's dealing with the post office, it's because of his antipathy toward mail and balloting. But mm-hmm. he put the two things together in an interview, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, I think, mm-hmm. that that's how he really tanks himself. He says the quiet part out loud. Just like yeah. what he said about James Comey. I got rid of him because he kept looking into Russia, Russia, Russia. I was
1: thinking it's the same pattern. Well, Well, uh, let's hope his penchant for self-sabotage packs up a lot in the next 80 days.
0: The strange thing about it is I was editing the podcast from last week and we talked about the Axios interview. Oh, right. And of course, now that's paled in comparison with what he's doing with the post office. Right, because and not only it's
1: pale, but it's also forgotten now.
0: Yes, it's forgotten. We put it into our institutional memory, but don't have to be bothered by it. Right, it's gone. Yeah, it's scary. Anything else that you read that was of
1: particular um, interest? Well, okay. I, I saw something on Political Wire that, that indicated that Biden's lead has come down a little bit right before the convention, but I was so spooked by the headline that I didn't even dare to open up the article.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Nate Silver, who oh, does yeah. the FiveThirtyEight podcast, and they do something called Model Talk, and they did a model for the rest of the election. And they said, Joe Biden, in the future, this isn't as of today, mm-hmm. but Joe Biden, overall, has a 71% chance of winning the election. However, Hillary Clinton had a 71% chance of winning the election. Now, if the election was held today, he would have a 95% chance of winning. But they build in all kinds of potential clubs, and I'm sure there's an October surprise in there somewhere. But it did give me pause. What they said, and what I know to be true, is that Hillary had a certain kind of, she provoked a certain kind of hatred amongst Mm -hmm. a certain group of people. And Biden doesn't have that. Biden doesn't engender that kind of response. So there's that. There's another big issue. He doesn't have the history that she has. She doesn't have the emails or the Secretary of State history. He doesn't have a Bill Clinton in his closet that's going to be... True,
1: true. And the attacks Um, they've launched so far, the two main ones have not worked. One is that he's not competent. The other is that he's a tool of the radical left.
0: Yes, and, which is And ne- neither of
1: those has stuck at all. So that's hopeful right there.
0: He's having a hard time getting a beat on him. It's true. He's yeah. having a really hard time.
1: Yeah, he can't find the weak spot. I hate to call it even a weak spot because with Hillary, it, it's all fabricated, but he can't find one that resonates even with his own people.
0: Well, also, he's a man. That's another big big difference, is that Biden doesn't suffer from sexism.
1: Well, they've gone after Kamala, but uh, those haven't stuck either, as far as I can see.
0: I think they're hysterical, those things that they've lobbed at her. She's not a citizen and all that. It's just like the old- Oh, it's
1: crazy. And that she's this ultra-liberal, I wish she were, it'd be great, but the criticisms of her are that, if anything, that she's too much of a law and order, or has been, too much of a law and order pro-police person.
0: Well, I think she was that. Someone in my political group introduced me and the rest of the group to the candidate running against Jackie Lacey Mm -hmm. to become the attorney general for California. And Jackie Lacey is a Black woman, but she believes in the death penalty. She has not prosecuted... Now, I checked this and double checked it. The number is awesome in a bad way that 600 black citizens of California have been killed by police officers. Now, we're not given what those circumstances were. Some may have been shot in the back. Some may have been choked. We don't know. But so far, 600 citizens have been killed by police officers, and she has not investigated any of those. Mm -hmm. And George Gascon is running against her. He was a very progressive DA for San Francisco. Very progressive. Was actually an officer here in Los Angeles. He's from Los Angeles. And he's really going to make a huge change. So... I don't remember where the hell I started with that. Progressive's, oh, that Kamala has listened to Gascon and has listened to the voices that are progressive Mm -hmm. and became more progressive as time went on. So I think that her early time, she was probably pretty inflexible. Mm -hmm.
1: But that she is... She has evolved, yeah. I
0: love the idea that she's an angry Black woman. She's an (laughs) angry, angry Black woman.
1: Maybe they mistook an intelligent Black woman for an angry Black woman. (laughs) Which is true about, I mean, that's true about women across the board. That's right. Women women can't be perceived as angry.
0: There we have it. Anyway, I think whatever they throw at her, she'll be able to.
1: Yeah, she's great. I
0: just love the two of them together. I wanted to talk about First Cow because I know you haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil anything for you. Okay. The fact is, there's nothing to spoil. Ah. It's such a quiet little movie. It's about this lovely man who finds himself in the Oregon territories before it becomes a state in the like 1850s. I'm I'm guessing it's around then. Mm -hmm. He starts out as a trapper. He's not really very good at it. He gets hired on as a cook. He's just a very gentle soul Who finds himself in this beautiful I mean the scenery is gorgeous But it's very unforgiving land It's not mm-hmm. like it's, it's lush with wheat field mm-hmm. I mean life is very hard scrabble there Everything has to be imported Because it's not like anything grows in this, in this lush It's not jungle-like but it's forested And into his life comes this cow oh. I think I mentioned this before The first time you see it It's being brought over on a barge, and the sun is shining on its four regions. And Mm -hmm. it looks like Cleopatra has just (laughs) arrived in the Oregon territories. Mm -hmm. And... That's the only thing that changes in his life, and I won't go into how it changes, Mm -hmm. but it's this wonderful character study of someone who is an ill fit with his environment. Okay. And it's done by a director whose work I've seen a little of, not a lot. Her name is Kelly Reichert, and she's really known for doing this kind of deep character work. And it's funny. It's also watching how dangerous life can be for someone who is not accustomed to living in such a sort of hand-to-mouth way. And I just can't wait for you to see it because I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Cool.
1: I did watch a movie I forgot about. Have you ever seen the movie called A Quiet Place with Yes, that was so scary. With Emily Blunt. I can't
0: believe she gave birth inside. She has to
1: give yeah, she has to give birth silently. That was incredible.
0: Just like Katie Holmes in Scientology.
1: <laughs> Silent Scream. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you like it? I did like it. I would never have watched something like that because it's on the sci-fi side, oh. but some reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes gave it pretty good reviews and so I gave it a chance and, and I fell for it right away when the first monster appeared. I was like, yep, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a really good plague movie. Which could take us to Harry Potter. Let's go to Harry Potter. I made a little project for myself to rewatch all seven and a half Harry Potter movies. And I watched the first one once, and I I don't know if I have ADD or what, but it was hard for me to follow all the little bits of plot. And there's so much exposition in that first installment. And I know that when I tried to watch it several years ago, I was impressed with all of the technical wondrousness of it, but I just couldn't get hooked in. But I don't know what happened. I finally am ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little sure. I'm finally ready to watch Harry Potter. And I watched it. And maybe it's because I'm paying 12 bucks a month for HBO Max. And I figure I have to try to get my money's worth. But I figured out a way finally to hook up my computer to my TV so I could watch HBO Max. And it worked. It took oh, some great. doing, but it worked. Yeah. Great. Anyway, I was totally brought into the story right away. I fell for every little bit. Nothing seemed weird to me, so even bad. though they were doing all the fantasy. Stuff that she puts in that story. And yeah, I I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so much fun.
0: So much a part of my children's lives. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I just remember we have a photograph of Zoe and Catherine. Mm -hmm. Each of them had to get their own book, and we had to get them right when they came out. Right book so they could read it themselves They couldn't. What, right. one couldn't wait the other to finish right, so they're right. reading, reading, reading and it was at a time when unfortunately J.K. Rowling has created a little bit of a stir she's harmed herself what are they called self-inflicted wounds mm. having to do with who's a real woman and oh. cis women versus transgender women I'm not really sure what the whole thing is mm-hmm. I mean how it's unfolded but I know oh, that okay. making a lot of enemies by expressing herself in a way that she just didn't have to anyway mm-hmm. I just love those Books. I listened to them on tape. I mean, I listened to them, yeah, on tape at the time. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm just, as we discuss it right now, I'm thinking one reason I think maybe now I'm ready to watch that is that I saw that story from the standpoint of a um, traumatized child going on a journey, a healing journey. And I think that's the lens I, without. Consciously thinking about it because I've been doing all this work with the group online and Uh and my own trauma therapy and recovering and PTSD and all those things. And right from the start, she sets up the traumatic experience that shaped Harry Potter so early on of being ripped away from his family like that, and uh, and being raised, you know, by abusive parents. And uh, I think that's why I bought into it this time is I related to him on a feeling level that I hadn't before. Before he was just this magical boy, but this time I saw that he had suffered an. Injury, and now we're going to have seven episodes that show how he comes to terms with all of this yes,
0: he prevails yeah. Yes, and as Dumbledore keeps saying Harry you know you have this great advantage in that you are loved right and that I mean he was a year old when his parents died
1: yes and, yes. and
0: yet he had what Donald Trump didn't have right
1: not long enough but at least he had a taste of it
0: the first Harry Potter movie opened on Zoe's birthday. So wow. Zoe's birthday when she was 11 years old, which is oh, how old Harry is when Hagrid comes and gets him. Oh, wow. So every year, every two years, I think, is how often the movies were made. Or might have been every year. But for a number of years, they just coincidentally happened to open on Zoe's birthday.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: And go and see them. Yeah, that's- it was crazy. Huh. They get very complicated in the end. You know, there's always a monologue at the end of the... <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's usually Dumbledore who gives them so that you can figure out what happened because... Usually so mysterious that it's impossible to figure out. Yeah, I just, I, I have to say, I love that whole series. It was really, it was really special to yeah. all of us. Well,
1: I'm glad I found a way in. I found a way in through the emotional experience of the protagonist. And until I found that way in, I couldn't really latch on to it because it just seemed like too much fantasy for me. I couldn't accept it as real. I couldn't suspend yeah. my disbelief.
0: He's just such a wonderful character. I love him. He's great. Park. Well, I think our time is up.
1: Wow, that's a whole it. lot of conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to have the things we were going to get to. But that's okay because I think we did good. <laughs> well, that's it for us, Boomers. We're going to say goodbye for now.
1: That's it. Take care, Boomers.
0: Thanks for finding us again, and we will speak to you in just a week. Bye bye. See you soon.
1: Bye bye.